Bibles, if you would, with me, let's go to two places today, Hebrews 11, 23, and then Exodus chapter 3, Hebrews eleven twenty three, Exodus 3. So our theme for the year is we've taken the word focused, that we would be focused on his words, doing our daily Bible reading. So if you, if you haven't, go to our website, download the plan. Uh, it's just a few chapters a day. We're already into Joshua. I mean, it moves along pretty quick, but it's important to daily be focused. Turn off that TV for a little while. It's okay, right? Get off of Facebook for a little bit. It's okay, right? Go sit out in the backyard. Or You know what I love to do? I love to listen to it. And I love to listen to it as I'm reading it. And then I love just to read it, the underline in my Bible, because... You know, there was a Hebrew principle, and it's called pounding in. And I need to get it pounded in, right? Pound it, pound, tell your neighbor, you need to get it pounded in. <laughs> Don't hit them, but it's a pounding in. The Hebrew way is get it, get it in your eyes. We're going to see that today. Probably one of the, the themes of Moses' life that I think we'll see in the beginning. But we've used this verse here and there, and I wanted to read it again. Romans 15, verse 4. This is the Apostle Paul. Again, we've looked at Hebrews 11 and the people that by faith did things for God. And we're going back this year and going all through these people that had faith and believed God in their circumstances. And the Apostle Paul said this in Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance... And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Instruction, endurance, and encouragement. Many of us fall within all of those three words. But I can guarantee you, everybody can find a word out there between instruction, endurance, and encouragement. In the scriptures, we might have hope. In fact, if I was to write a little bit of a theme of Moses, if I was trying to capture a sentence of Moses' life and ministry, it really would be, are you being faithful to obey the voice of the Lord? Are you being faithful to obey the voice of the Lord? You know, and as you read through this Old Testament, I had a Bible college professor, he says, you know, the Old Testament's about grit, dirt, and blood. You know, it's kind of one of those things, grit, dirt, and blood as you, as you read through some of these. Hebrews 11, when we read some of those people by faith, it shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I guarantee you, you or I wouldn't want to be listed in the Bible for eternity, would we? Oh, they're studying me again? Could they just take out that chapter? No, they're in there for our instruction, for our endurance, and for our encouragement. And remember, they didn't know Jesus in a personal way like you and I do. You know, um, it's interesting when we look back in Moses' life, he is, to the Jewish people, the most important figure in the Old Testament. Because through God, he wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, or what the Jewish people call the Torah, or many times we've used the word the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible is what, who God used to write all of those things. And he writes about those. In fact, um, he's going to be Israel's greatest deliverer until Jesus comes. 
God is going to raise up this man Moses to deliver his people from 400 years of slavery. And Moses doesn't know it until he's 80. So any 80-year-olds in here? All right, then if you're an 80, you're just getting started. <laughs> so, so get going, right? You're just getting started. Moses was just getting started at 80. If you're 40 here, wake up, right? Get out of the palace, wake up. Right? But if you're 80, you're just getting started. You know, and I looked up, you know, you try to figure out a little bit. I always love to try to figure out the figures. So Genesis 46, when Jacob moves everybody related to him to be with Joseph in Egypt, the Bible says there's about 70 of them. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He'd be the nation of Israel. Well, if we read on in, Genesis, in Exodus chapter 28, the Bible records that there are men age 20 and up, there's 603,550 men that could fight, right? Men that could fight. Many times, if you look up in Jewish history, you retire, maybe the men would retire from fighting around 50 or so. So many Bible scholars have tried to do some math to figure out how many people did God deliver out of bondage, and the conservative number would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.8 million and as high as 2.4 million. All right, so that, that is like saying, Moses telling the city of Houston, 2.8 million. Tomorrow morning, we're all getting out of here. Boy, that's, that's nuts, isn't it? Or if it was a smaller number, the 1.5 or 6, that's like telling the city of Phoenix, hey, tomorrow morning, get everything ready. We're getting out of here. And all of those people that the Lord would provide for, and remember when we read those numbers, Israel was still the young, they were considered the small nation. Well, that's why we read last week that um, the Israelites, you know, the, they had children. I mean, they were producing children. They were growing mightily. And all of a sudden, God has this heart, right? It's time for his people to go. So Hebrews chapter 11, let me get over there. Hebrews 11, and I want to read verse. Twenty-three, and it says this. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather than to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So, Lord, as, as we take time this morning and we look through Hebrews and Exodus, Lord, I pray that we listen intently to your voice. The by faith Moses, by faith Moses, by faith Moses, by faith Moses. 
speak those areas to our hearts today. Make this personal. And Lord, as, as we look into this word, we know that it's looking into our hearts to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to instruct us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So four times, Moses, it gets mentioned by faith. By faith. By faith. In fact, it starts with, by faith, he was hidden by who? His parents. We talked about that last week. It was the faith of his parents. And you love where it reads that you were a beautiful kid in the Bible. <laughs> they saw him and he was beautiful. Tell your neighbor that you're beautiful. I am just beautiful. Now, it's nice that that's listed of, of him in the Bible. But when we read about Moses... There's a couple things that go on here. His mother ends up getting him back so that she can nurse him. And when we begin to look at some of the stats, Moses then is going to go back and he's going to live in Pharaoh's household and become the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we read in Hebrews, he's not going to take that as being a son of the daughter because he's going to stay a Hebrew. But most Bible scholars would say somewhere between the age of 4 and 10, he's been given back. So when I read through, in fact, I want to pull this verse out. This is Deuteronomy 11, verse 19 through 21. This is Moses speaking, and he's talking to really parents and families about what to do with your children. Listen to what he says, Deuteronomy 11. You shall teach, talking about God's word, you shall teach them to your children. Talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that the days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. You know, when I read these, and I go back and I think of Moses, here's what I think. I think the time that his mom had him, that she was making sure that the testimonies and the stories about God were implanted into Moses because Moses is going to go back and he's going to live in a palace and he's going to live with the Pharaoh and he's going to live with people that worship other idols because we never see Moses bowing down to another idol. We see the children of Israel adopting that from Egypt. We don't see that from Moses. So I wonder if his family took that time that they had to make sure that something of God's promise was instilled into his little heart so that as he gets influenced later on, he's not turned to be like the Egyptians because his name means drawn out. Isn't it interesting in the Bible when we read that Abram was changed, his name was changed to Abraham because of the promise? Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel. Moses' name stays Moses. He probably thought, hey, you changed everybody else's name. How about my name? No, because it means to draw out. It was a hint over his life. I also see a hint over his life that we uh, won't look at today, but in Exodus chapter 2, verse 19, when he's fleeing and going to the backside of the desert, and he ends up saving these daughters of one of them, who's going to eventually be his father-in-law, it says this, they said, an Egyptian delivered us, 
out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. An Egyptian, it was talking about Moses. Why'd they call him Egyptian? Because he probably looked like, isn't that a song? Looked like, walk like an Egyptian, there we go. Had to get my uh, 80s music correct. This year, six million children will be born in the U.S. Six million. And they'll either be part of solving the problems or part of the problems. But most of the responsibility and the things that they're going to learn is going to be instilled to them as a child in the household that they're placed. So here's what's important to us. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, aunties and uncles, memas and peepaws, or whatever they call you, is it's not what we leave to our children, it's what we leave in our children. The things we leave to them, moth and rust and dust and all of those things will decay, it's what you deposit in them. And that's why I get a picture of Moses, that what was deposited in him early on were those principles and those stories that kept his faith, kept him on track. And that hint, in fact, I think it's important for all of us, there's a hint in what you're called to do somewhere already in your life. Because this kept following Moses. He's called to draw out and be a deliverer. Well, he's delivering seven ladies from the shepherds at the well. He's already who he was. But here's what, on the outside, he might have changed. In fact, if you read a little bit, Moses would have wore rings on his fingers. He would have had necklaces of gold and ivory and precious stones around his neck. His body would have been perfumed, right? We'd call him this. He was a pretty boy. <laughs> he had office hands, right? He wasn't like the Hebrews. He's not out making bricks and mortar and building things. He smelled good. He looked good. And when they saw him, they thought he was an Egyptian. He looked like. But on the inside... And who he was, he was a Hebrew. And when he saw one of his brothers, Hebrew brothers, getting afflicted, and he went and killed him, he couldn't just walk away from who he was. He had to act. Notice that um, the Bible goes on as we read there in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know, there are people in the Bible that refuse things. David refused Saul's armor. David refused Saul. Daniel refused the king's food. In fact, we go on, there's many people in the Bible Jesus even refused to be made earthly king. They wanted to grab him and make him king, and he refused. So this, though adopted son of Pharaoh, he refused that position because he was a Hebrew. And here's what's interesting. He was a Hebrew. The Egyptians knew he was a Hebrew, and the Hebrew slaves knew he was a Hebrew. But he identified as being a Hebrew and waiting to where God would use him. In fact, I think if Moses had a creed, it would be something like this. I will turn away from what I want, and I will look to what God you have for me. I'll turn away from what I want, 
and I'll look to you for what you want over my life. Now, here's an interesting verse as we read on in verse 26. True, um, verse 26, he considered the reproach of who? Christ. All right, here we go. Writers of Hebrew, he's totally off. Moses didn't meet Jesus. He's in a different time or a different place. He refused the reproach of Christ. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to his reward. You know, there's a verse in Deuteronomy 18.15. Moses says these words. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen. One of the translations mentions that what will be risen up is an anointing one, anointed one. There was an, uh, in fact, you could probably call it, Moses had a mmm moment. There was somebody coming that was greater than I. You need to listen to him. Because you're not listening to me, but you need to listen, you know, you need to listen to him. He refused, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. In fact, his identity was not to be an Egyptian. His identity was to be with God. In fact, it's probably the same with us. It's either the world or it's him. There's not both. I was getting gas this morning early and uh, a lady had pulled up and, you know, just said good morning. A lot of times they'll say, what are you doing up so early dressed? You know, like you're not in workout clothes or whatever. And uh, I said, what are you doing today? She says, going to serve the God of softball. This was this morning. <laughs> Out of her mouth, right? Going to serve the God of softball. He was taking her daughter to uh, Tustin for a softball man. I, I didn't say anything. You know, I didn't say anything. Isn't it so true we fight that on a daily basis of what we serve? We get that example that Moses said, I'd rather go to the backside of the desert and serve God what he thought was in peace and quiet for the remainder of his life than to be stuck in that palace and to watch what was happening to God's people. You know, Moses is also a picture of a person who is really at a decision point. Do I identify, do I identify with Christ and his people or do I give up those privileges and those pleasures to serve him. That we'll read, uh, you'll read later in Moses' life. In fact, this is a great uh, message for all of us. Moses at the Red Sea, God tells him, stand still and watch me work. When I step and I follow God, I need to make sure I'm hearing that thing. Stand still and watch me work. As I read on here a little bit, in fact, let me pick this up here um, in verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. He endured as seeing him who was invisible. Here's God's overall plan, if he was to simplify it for us today. God's going to deliver these million or so people with Moses, Aaron, and a staff, right? God, what's your big plan here? We've got all these people to get out. They've been in bondage 400 years. We have a hard-hearted Pharaoh. He wants to keep them. What's your plan? I've got two guys and a stick. 
That's God's plan. Two guys, that's a sermon title, isn't it? Two guys, now the stick's pretty cool because you throw it down, it turns into a snake, right? Pick it back up. Um, that's God's plan. Two guys and a stick. So whatever he's asked you to do or called you to do, why is it that sometimes we think we need everything laid out ahead of time to do? All he needs is you and maybe somebody else and a stick. Just go, right? Go talk to Pharaoh. I only have air. I can't talk well, and so I need somebody. Oh, okay, let me back up just for a minute because I skipped the scripture. Acts 7.22. Moses was instructed in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. This is in the book of Acts. And he was mighty in words and deeds. Does that say Moses or Aaron? Moses. Moses was instructed in the wisdom of the Egyptians. Let me say this. Moses is. He's got the most degrees of anybody in Israel. He's the only educated one. And he was mighty in words and deeds until God tells him he's got a plan for his life. And then what does he say? You know, I, I'm not a smooth talker. I'm not really a great communicator. Aaron, on the other hand, that guy can talk and talk. And he's a good communicator. You know, some of these pastors I listen to, I just think it just flows out of their mouth. And sometimes I feel rumbly. And, you know, I'm trying to find this in my notes. And I'm trying to process in my head and my heart. And these guys just flow, flow, flow. Moses has all of it. But when God gives him a plan, he doesn't think he can do it. And he thinks he needs Aaron to do it. And then God says, and you need this stick to do it. So never underestimate what God has purposed in your life. And never underestimate the gifts that he's already given you or discount them that you don't think you have enough of it. Because all God needs for you to do is go and follow what he says to do. That's what he's going to tell Moses. Just go and do what I say. I'll tell you what to do. Go and do what I say. Go face this evil king and do what I say. God has an interesting plan, doesn't he? It's always interesting. Now, let's read really quick Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Exodus 3, 10. Here's God's words, God's assignment to Moses. Come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. Who am I, God? I was a 40-year-old, lived in the palace. Now I'm on the backside of the desert for 40 years. I'm 80 years old, and I just take care of sheep. And now you want me to go, who am I to go? And God says what? I will be with you. There's the difference. I will be with you. Isn't it interesting that we always discredit ourselves? That many times we don't put ourselves in that position to let God do what he wants to do. Don't ever discredit yourself. Don't ever discredit yourself. Verse 12, he says, he says, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall, shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all of the generations. I like what he says. So what's your name? I am. What does that mean? I am that I am. And remind them who I am. I'm the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and I'm sending you. In fact, the I am that I am is the all-existent one from the beginning to the end. We read that in the book of Revelations. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. Remind them that, there is, that I am here for them. You know, one of the things in wrapping this up today that I've seen the most out of Moses, and we read this in his life, Moses knew God face to face. Many of you on your phone, depending on what carrier or brand you have, if you have an iPhone, it's called FaceTime. If you have an Android, what do they call it? Skype. Nobody has Android. Whatever, right? You know what's great nowadays? If you have to travel or if you have to be gone, especially if you have young kids, you can do what with them? FaceTime. Because it's one thing to talk or to text or to email, but there's nothing like seeing the face. Moses, the Bible says, knew God face to face. He had FaceTime with God. He would be with God and have to go down and, and communicate everything God said to the people. Did you read through Deuteronomy all the things that he had to communicate? How do you remember all those things? It wasn't just the Ten Commandments. If you go through Deuteronomy and add them up, it's 613 things that they had to remember to do. You would have broke 300 today on the way to church. right? Because it was all to point you to Jesus. He had to remember all those things and go tell these people and communicate it to the people. But he knew God face to face. In fact, Deuteronomy 34.10 talks about Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Psalm 103, verse 7 says, he made his ways, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The people saw his acts, but Moses knew him face to face. Moses knew the heart of God face to face. The people only saw what God did. Moses knew God's heart. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 27, 4, he says this. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What does he say? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing. 
thing that I've asked of the Lord. Just one thing that I can gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Psalm 27 verse 8 says, you, you have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. You have said, seek my face. My heart says, your face, Lord, I will seek. Last verse, Jeremiah 29, 13. In fact, many a times we stop at Jeremiah 11. But this is added in there. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Your father God wants to have face time with you. And there's no better way of FaceTime than to going through these words that he has on the page. So sometimes we do this in our house. So we sometimes just turn on YouTube and stick it on worship music to have it going. To have that time of FaceTime. Because Moses knew God's face. Understood those words that he had. And yet the people only saw his hand. And here's the, here's the issue. Many times we're looking for the hand of God without seeking the face of God. We're guilty of the handout without seeking his face. I think the people finally got it. We mentioned earlier in the service when right here at the end of Hebrews 11, by faith, they crossed over. By faith, they crossed over. They had to trust in this God that was communicated through by Moses to follow now this pillar, a cloud and fire, to follow what might look impossible, but they're going to follow him with their entire life, leaving everything behind. Well, bow your heads, if you would, with me this morning. You know, many times I don't know what verse stuck out to you. Maybe you stopped at seeing the faith of the parents. And maybe your prayer today is, Father, let me not be so concerned about what I'm leaving to my kids or my grandkids. Let me be somebody that's pouring into them. Let me pour in your words into their heart. Maybe you need to hear the words by faith, Moses. He refused the life of Egypt. He refused to get hooked into the world system. He was going to follow God. As crazy as the story sounds, I'm going to take you and I'm going to take Aaron and I'm going to take a stick and we're going to deliver these people. By faith, Moses left Egypt. He would leave all of the comfort behind to now go into a wilderness time of 40 years. But he would see a burning bush. And what catches his attention is the bush didn't burn. And so he stopped and looked, but then he heard. And he heard those words, take off your sandals. Because where you're standing is holy ground. The one we didn't hit at the end here. By faith, Moses kept the Passover. 
He followed God's instructions down the most educated man saying to the people, we're going to smear blood on your doorposts. But he knows God enough to follow God even when he tells them something crazy to do because it's going to have a symbol all the way to Jesus that it was his blood that was shed. An innocent man who had never sinned that his blood would be shed for me and for you personally today. So Father, we come today, and Lord, I, I end with the prayer of David. One thing I have asked, Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Lord, today we look up to you. You know every situation in our life. You know how we can overcome it. Because we're not alone. You live on the inside of us. We're empowered by your Holy Spirit. We don't need a stick in our hand because we have you. And we have these words that you've given to us to give us face time with you. Lord, I pray today that we increase our face time gazing upon you. We bless and we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Stand with me if you